This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hello, this is Alex Korback, artist of the book Find, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to episode 195 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, January 28th. I apologize. I almost threw up for no reason. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not answering all your questions with the response, hey, I'm only here so I don't get fined, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not gearing up for the best Katy Perry halftime show ever, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Katy Perry. Really? This is what we get? And but who do you like, think it should be? Mike and the Mechanics would be great, too. K-Log. <laughs> yeah, they could reunite Loggins and Messina. That'd be awesome. No, Messina's dead. <laughs> oh, he's a dead man. That's I right. No, I don't know if that's true. In this week's episode... <laughs> oh, so we just lost all our Loggins and Messina fans, <laughs> listeners. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Casanova. How do I say this? Acedia? Acedia. Acedia, number one, and Uncanny Avengers, number one. I can pronounce that. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics faster than the Brothers Grimm can buy their way into the new Marvel U during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the gentleman ghost joins us to discuss the latest Ghostbusters casting news and a couple of next week's comics. And finally... Casey Baum can't be bothered to write her damn blog anymore. That doesn't mean she's a free woman. Casey is back with a brand new and improved segment. Casey explains it all, where she'll be recapping the 1984 Marvel Secret Wars, just in time for Marvel's new Secret Wars. So, we'd like to welcome Boston and Seattle fans to come together for 60 minutes for this Super Bowl edition of THN. Joey, I'll flip the coin, you call it in the air, and then we can talk about this week's big news! Football. <laughs> yeah, I think you're supposed to say heads or tails, but you know. Oh. <laughs> Football! <laughs> Dateline, San Francisco. The hate mongers of the American Freedom Defense Initiative, or as I like to call them, Afro-Dish. <laughs> have taken out a series of bus ads decrying the dangers of Islam, comparing it to Nazism. Which doesn't make any sense. Enter Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel, or at least the Bay Area Art Queers Unleashing Power, a.k.a. Backup. My God. I didn't come up with that. This is harder to follow than an issue of Casanova. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with that acronym. I think they did. That's pretty tough. A protest organized by the group led to many of the ads being defaced with images of Kamala and their Islamophobic messages replaced with those of peace and tolerance, such as calling all bigotry busters, stamp out racism, and free speech isn't a license to spread hate. SFGate.com has reported that although city officials have condemned the ads as Islamophobic, they acknowledge that they're protected by the First Amendment. The San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency donates money from the ads to the city's Human Rights Commission. Which is hilarious. So at least there's that. <laughs> it's like we're paying to spread hate, and that money goes right back to human rights. To combat hate. <laughs> yeah. right. This isn't the first time Afro-Dish has done this. Similar ads have run in Washington, D.C. On the backup website, a post about the initiative said, quote, 
Bigotry Busters sprang into action, enlisting the help of Kamala Khan, a Marvel Comics superhero, backup, and street cred. That's the name of the group's Facebook page Jesus. because having it be the same name would be too confusing, yeah. I guess. <laughs> What if Street Cred decides they don't want to be affiliated with Backup anymore? You know? <laughs> backup and Street Cred commend Marvel for taking a different road than Charlie Hebdo, using the power of comics for good. End quote. Marvel writer G. Willow Wilson tweeted her support for the protest, saying, quote, Some amazing person has been painting over the anti-Muslim bus ads in San Francisco with Ms. Marvel graffiti. To me, the graffiti is part of the back and forth of the free speech conversation, call and response, argument, counter argument, end quote. Matt Baum, I know how much you love the destruction of property, both public and private. It warms my heart. How do you feel about these protesters' methods? I love it. I totally love it. And there, and G. Willow Wilson is absolutely right. This is free speech in action. While I don't agree with any anti-Islamic, it, I'm I'm an atheist. I'm not a religious guy, but everyone has their right to whatever belief they want. They just don't have the right to their own truth. But anyway, this is how free speech works. They are allowed to put this stuff out there. And you know what? I defend their right to do so. I do not agree with them on any level, but they are allowed to express themselves. This is how you combat it with more free speech. And I love it. I think this is awesome. The fact that Kamala Khan, (laughs) you know, the new Miss Marvel is being used as a symbol of like, look, there's Muslims that are good guys too, just like us. That is awesome awesome i love it i can't think of a better way for these people to target these fucking bigots because literally the afro dish as you call them they are the kkk that's all they are they're super white christian you yeah, know anti-immigrant waspy. yeah right and this is the perfect well, in, way to fight that bullshit. in the united kingdom afro dish has been classified as a hate group yeah and they were not allowed to enter the country. They're on the like Southern Poverty Law Firm's uh, list of hate groups as well here in the States. I think it's great. Like I have complicated feelings about graffiti. <laughs> and that's a whole separate conversation, not for this podcast. Right. But uh, I think it's awesome to tie it back into comics that Ms. Marvel is kind of the poster child. Right. Literally. Yeah. The poster child for, hey, look. Let's all get along and be tolerant of one another. Right. Because we just want to live our lives. You know, we got nothing against you guys. Peace and love. As opposed to Charlie Hebdo, which really was thumbing its nose yes. at, you know, the is right. at Islam. And you know what? They're allowed to do that too. It, they free absolutely speech is are. free speech on both sides. I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. It's free, and that's how it should be. If you uh feel like plastering your hate speech all over the side of a bus. Expect a uh, 60-foot-tall inhuman teenager to come and uh, (laughs) squash you. Is she an inhuman? She's an inhuman, yeah. I didn't know that. Marvel Studios has announced that they've cast former Doctor Who star David Tennant as Zebediah Kilgrave. You all know who that is, right? Also known as the Purple Man for their upcoming series, a.k.a. Jessica Jones. Can't call it Alias. Oh, yeah. There was already a TV show called Kilgrave played a huge role in Alias, the comic on which the show is based. Tenants Kilgrave will join Kristen, (laughs) K-R-Y. Her name is Kristen. I know, I know. Come on. Kristen Ritters, (laughs) Jessica Jones, and Mike Coulter's Luke Cage on the series, which will hit Netflix sometime this year. Joe, I can't tell my tenants from my Eccleston's. That's not true. I love Doctor Who. I wrote that part. Sorry. Okay. 
Joe, I, I like to when I write the news, I like to make you feel like a dummy. Okay, I recently conquered my allergy to British sci-fi. I have fallen in love with Doctor Who, so I do know my tenants from my Ecclestons. Thank you. What do you think? I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing piece of casting. I think that David Tennant is a wonderful actor. Yeah. He's perfect for this. He and can be creepy and weird. Yes, he's and, very multifaceted. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you I'm who excited. think it's weird based on his Doctor Who performance, watch him in Broadchurch. Sure. Watch him in Broadchurch and you'll go, oh, okay, I can see this. Right. And, you know, it's easy for somebody so tied to a, ro- a particular role to get typecast. Right. But David Tennant has done a lot of great work in other things. Like he was in the Fright Night remake. Yeah. Uh, and was wonderful. He was in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, he was a he was a bad guy in Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, I was excited for this ne- ne- these Netflix shows, but kind of like, eh, well, you know, maybe they'll be great. Maybe they won't be. They're doing this right. But when the, when I saw this David Tennant thing, I got excited. Yeah, they're doing this right. And immediately, like every website that reported on it had a picture of David Tennant just in his normal, you know, Doctor Who suit or whatever. But with a purple face, but but photoshopped so he's all purple, and it's like <laughs> he looks amazing. Yeah, he looks great. It's gonna ah, be great. Right. Meanwhile, Fox released the first teaser trailer for Chronicle director Josh Trank's upcoming Fantastic Four reboot. Joe Patrick, how do you feel? I felt nothing. Here's the thing: all we've heard is what a train wreck this has been behind the scenes, reshooting, rewriting, and stuff like that. What we saw in this trailer, literally nothing. Well, two uh, seconds, like little blips of stuff that they well, filmed sure, here and there. It is a teaser, I right? Know, I know, and, which by definition is a teaser. And I have like I have all the sympathy for for movie studios that have to walk the line between showing too much and showing not enough. Of course. And I get it. Like, it's, I wasn't expecting to see huge costumes and Johnny Storm flying through the air. Right. I, I knew it would just be hints. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a ton to go on. But, you know, in my notes, I wrote that it wasn't the train wreck I was expecting. Well, I mean, if it was, <laughs> it'd have a real problem. It really, it really is just ultimate FF, which is a much mm-hmm. not grounded. Grounded's not the right word. I mean... They don't steal a rocket ship to beat the Russians into space. Uh, we'll call it updated or whatever. Right. It's it's a it's a slightly tweaked version of the origin, and I'm totally fine with that. But I will say that it's very serious. Very serious. Yeah, it looked dark. Which and hardcore. And, and that's not really in line with the traditional premise of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Fantastic Four is all about like big adventure. I will also say you know, as I was watching, and I watched it a few times, I kept going, why does that feel familiar? Why does that feel familiar? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's exactly how the trailer for the third Batman movie started, with the plane like flying. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That scene just looks just like that. And then I was like, that scene looks just like something from X-Men Days of Future Past. That scene, like one by one, I was going, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it's not a time for film. <laughs> That comes later. Yeah, like so. I think they they know what they're doing, but I'm not too excited based on this. I, I, it just, I, we don't have enough to make any judgment calls. I still hope it fails. Right. I, I hope it the fantastic fails. I have nothing against anyone involved. I I only hope that it I fails. Hope they all so that, choke on their lunch and die, <laughs> so that Marvel gets the rights back. That's all I want is yeah, for Marvel to get the rights me back. Too. But and feel free to use these actors. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe not the guy that's playing Doom. 
or the guy that's playing Reed. But you know, everybody else or Kate Mara. Yeah, but or anyway, Kate Mara. But, but feel everyone free else... to use Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. My last thought was that Josh Trank made a statement recently about how they've been holding back on showing info and footage on purpose uh, to preserve a sense of mystery in this age of social media, blah, blah, blah. Fans and their need for instant gratification, kind of like what we talked about walking right. the line between right. showing too much. Is that bullshit? Sounds or like total bullshit. Is it really? Do you think they're really just like scrambling to get things remade? Sounds like total bullshit. I don't know. I mean, because we've all we've heard is train wreck, train wreck, train wreck. And like producers complaining, screenwriters complaining and stuff. And then the director comes out and goes, oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. But uh, it's a secret. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We will see. I, I will. I will say that it looked fine. The thing looked cool. Yeah, and Johnny Storm burst into flames. That looked neat. We'll see. I was expecting the first uh, footage to be just completely offensive, and yeah. it wasn't. No. So it's going to be just good enough that Fox gets to keep it. Unfortunately, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, unless they put Doom on rollerblades with a little computer on his wrist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like. Changing street lights from red to green and crashing the stock market. I love it. <laughs> Finally, director Paul Feig has found his cast for the female-led Ghostbusters reboot. The one that we all saw coming. Yeah. <laughs> According, well, it's been rumored you know, for years. Right. <laughs> According to The Hollywood Reporter, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy will star alongside Saturday Night Live cast members Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. Wig and McCarthy both starred in Bridesmaids, another Paul Feig film. Leslie Jones became an SNL feature player a few months ago, and Kate McKinnon was nominated for an Emmy Award for her work on the show. Now, Matt, I don't want to bash this movie too much before we really know anything about it, but what are your thoughts on the cast, and how do you feel about remakes in general? I still don't know. Is this a complete remake, or is it a sequel later on? I think it is a remake. The one good thing that news like this does is it finally quashes all the bullshit we've read on the internet about how like the old cast is gonna do it they're gonna Bill do it Murray, really is he or isn't he do it. yeah right. like that's finally gone all these are very funny women i don't know anything about the other two actresses uh, the, I, the snl actresses they're great i haven't actually turned on they're great Night on Night Night Night. kate mckinnon's justin bieber is f-ing awesome <laughs> it's so <laughs> good she is like they're both legitimately funny and melissa mccarthy is very talented i love Kristen wig and bridesmaids was a funny movie there's no reason why they can't recapture the magic here. It is a little shocking when yeah. you like something like this comes down the pipe. But before we all go and sound like women haters, let's give it a chance. No, it, so you know? for me, like I have nothing against this cast and you're not going to get the old cast. It's, no, it's not going to. I understand. I understand. So shut up, guys. I have nothing against the cast. I have nothing against the idea of an all female action comedy movie. Get it done. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. But for me, Ghostbusters is like sacred. No, me too. And it's right there. And I'm not going to say that when I first read this, I didn't go. <laughs> I made a funny noise. And you, know? you said and you said, don't make it a sequel. Don't try to shoehorn it into the continuity. But I might actually feel better about it if they treated it that way. Even if none of the originals were involved. Maybe. Like, have it be that these women are successors to the original Ghostbusters, like the other guys got old and fat and retired. Right. Or explain that the original Ghostbusters were so successful that they franchised out the business. Or the Ghostbusters disappeared. And the, Ooh, yeah, they and vanished. the business went up for sale. And then it's a mystery, right? Yeah, and they bought the building or whatever. Or... But, you know, our friend of the show, John Bunger, made a good point. He said, you know, if I ever need my original Ghostbusters fix, my DVD's right on the shelf yeah, where I can reach it. I got it. it right there. I'm looking at and it. And I totally get Somewhere. it. It's just... Under G. There it is. 
took a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Under G. Yeah. <laughs> For me, remakes and reboots and all this, that's all Hollywood and the video game industry turn out these days. Sure. And we railed and railed and railed against the Star Wars prequels. But Wooly Toots was right. It doesn't hurt what we love about Star Wars. Right. If this totally sucks, it doesn't hurt what we love about right. the original Ghostbusters. It's just that it's just now. It's good. It's just that now they've finally gotten around to something that actually means something to me. Okay. And it mm, makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah, that's. We're but old farts, man. That's what we do. I, I love 50% of the cast. The other half, I trust our talented women. I like Paul Feig. Yeah, I, I think they this will be fun. That is a big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we'd missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I have agreed to undergo sexual reassignment surgery to reboot this podcast with two female hosts. We'll probably be strangely more macho. I don't know. <laughs> well, we can't be any less macho. Every Sunday, the gender-neutral Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Right now, we're like... Ken dolls, you know, because before they do the reassignment, they have to erase everything first. Too, too much, man. Well, you know. They don't need to know that stuff. Smooth, if you know what I mean. Like uh, Matt Damon in Dogma. Yeah. Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? It wasn't Matt Damon. It was Alan Rickman. But they, presumably, they were all the same down there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this week's question, I want to talk about remakes. All right. Now, I know that we just did a show about comic book reboots and retcons so let's leave the comics out of it this is a, a nerd podcast not just about comics it's true i want to know what is your favorite remake in pop culture okay it can be a movie it can be a tv show it can be a video game hell if it's a song where you think the cover version is better than the original i want to hear about it like the new we are the world if you think Jimi <laughs> Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower is better than Bob Dylan's, let's talk about it. You're an idiot. I didn't know that Bob Dylan did an original version of All Along the Watchtower until I was a grown-ass man. Wow. If you can think of a comic that truly fits the bill, that isn't just an example of a publisher hitting the reset button like Crisis or Flashpoint, then that's fair game, too. Yeah, sure. We're just saying any remake. Anything you want. Absolutely. Let's go. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, February 6th, to get us your answer. We mean it this week. You can call us and leave a message using Skype. The Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. You can also send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. Do your best to make it an actual MP3 so Matt Bomb doesn't throw a fit. Uh, thank you. Whatever you do, keep it under three minutes. We got a lot to get through. You people demand to be heard. You're all wrestling for airtime. True, and our love. You demand that we pick favorites. If you need more time than that, if you're too shy, shame on you. You are a beautiful flower and you deserve to be heard. But you can go to the THN forums. Go talk to your mama. See if she cares. <laughs> you can go to the THN forums and write to your heart's content in the question of the week section. We've got your own little space for it. There you go. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I get ready for the big game by swilling beer and smoking each other's meat and reviewing two of this week's new comics. I think I said that weird. Joe, what did you review this week? I don't think that means what you I mean. smoke your meat, you smoke mine. You know, we're buddies. Anyway. <laughs> this week I'm reviewing Casanova Asegia 
From Image Comics, written by Matt Fraction and Michael Chabon. If we're saying that wrong, somebody tell us. Acedia. I, I mean, know. I don't know. I don't know. Acedia. With art by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Here is the solicit. Marooned in Los Angeles with no memory of his past, Casanova Quinn takes on the mystery of his criminal benefactor's tangled and bloody history as strange occult forces from the future conspire to do stuff? <laughs> I guess. To him? <laughs> to Los Angeles? <laughs> to you? Yes. <laughs> Much like Powers from last week, I found myself behind on my Casanova reading. I loved the original run, but somewhere between this book's transition from Image to Marvel and back again, I just lost track. Luckily, the main character has no idea what's happening either, making this a perfect place for new readers to jump into this insane world. Former dimension-hopping super spy Casanova Quinn has walked from a pile of burning wreckage with no memory of his past life, possessing a set of knowledge and skills he can't explain. Casanova has made a new life for himself, serving as the aid of a wealthy and powerful man. But what happens when the first person he meets that knows about his true past tries to kill him? Matt Fraction has always thrived when it comes to his creator-owned work, but I always felt like Casanova meant something special for him. The first issue came out back in 2006 and was originally part of a line of bargain-priced series that only included one other book, Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith's Fell. Thankfully, unlike Fell, Casanova managed to hang on, surviving a transition from Image to Marvel's creator-owned icon imprint. Now, Casanova's back at Image, and it's just as bonkers as I remember. Fell probably fell off when Templesmith just wandered off into nowhere. <laughs> into the Australian outback. Warren Ellis' calls. <laughs> Under the pen of Matt Fraction, Casanova is confident and capable, despite the fact that he's an amnesiac. Asegia is a little less uh, science fiction-y than previous volumes, but it's still full of huge, insane ideas like a doomsday cult determined to prevent Casanova from finding out the truth about himself and his employer. Or something. Or something. <laughs> Fraction and letterer Dustin Harbin employ a great technique where the captions switch between Casanova and an unknown narrator. Even though the boxes look the same, subtle changes in capitalization indicate the change in narrators, and the two blend together really seamlessly. The backup story is written by Cavalier and Clay author Michael Chabon, and it's, it's weird. Super weird. It's weird, and I didn't really get what it was going for, but it's gorgeously illustrated by Gabriel Ba. There's something in here about a super science adventure team slash all-girl rock band called T-A-M-I, Tammy. One of them might be a dude. We don't really know. Yeah. Art-wise, you really can't get much better than Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. The two brothers have been making comics together for years now, and I became familiar with Gabriel's work first. He was the original artist of Casanova. I think I've come to love Fabio's art more. Huh. Their styles are definitely similar. But while Gabriel's lines are sharp and smooth, Fabio's are soft like brush strokes. And I love how nothing is precise. All of the lines on the page are a little wobbly, like every shape and angle has been eyeballed instead of measured. It keeps the art loose and expressive. Chris Peter colors this issue, and though it's a little bit more colorful than the monochrome of the original run, he sticks to a limited palette of oranges and blues. The combination of his colors and the brothers' line work is just gorgeous me falling behind on a series is nothing new i read a lot of stuff and it's tough keeping up with everything but 
it's rare that I can just jump back into a series and be rewarded like I was with this issue. If you've never checked out Casanova before, this is a great opportunity for you to start. And if it seems like the sort of thing you'd be into, Image is in the process of reprinting all of the previous volumes in a set of really, really nice hardcovers. This gets a buy it from me. I am current on Casanova. I've read them all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And when I say it doesn't matter, I, not that necessarily like it's a great jumping on point. Even if you've been paying attention, you're going to be totally lost here anyway. But that's how every Casanova starts. And that's kind of starts. the point, because even the main character is totally lost. Yeah. And Fraction, y- y- this is definitely a labor of love for him. He can do whatever he wants with this series. It's totally bizarre. And it is weird. When you first read it, it's going to catch you off guard. And you're going to, like, I read the first series, didn't know what I thought of it, read it again, and went, oh my god, this is genius. You know, it because it's different. It's just a different narrative. It's a different way to tell a story. It's full of all these like Hitchcock MacGuffin type things where there's little bits of information that you just don't need at all. Right. <laughs> you know? But man, this was beautiful. It's a bizarre read. I still love Casanova just as much as I ever did. Gigantic bomb. Matt Bomb, tell us about the completely unnecessary Uncanny Avengers number one. Yeah, this one is... Uh... I have complicated feelings. From Marvel, written by Rick Remender, with art by Daniel Acuna. 32 pages, $3.99. Here is your solicit. Counter-Evolutionary Part 1! Bullet! From the ashes of Axis, an all-new, all-different Avengers assemble. Bullet! The tragedy at the end of Axis has left the uncanny Avengers vulnerable, and someone is taking advantage of it. Bullet! One of the Avengers' oldest foes returns with a terrible secret that will, all hyperbole aside, shatter the lives of two members of the squad! Bullet! Certainly no hyperbole there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is Counter-Earth? Who remembers it? And what terrible secrets does it house? Rick Remender has been quietly writing what I think is the best Avengers comic on the stands with Uncanny Avengers for a while now, and then it stopped rather suddenly <laughs> with the destruction of the Unity Squad. Havoc is still inverted, leaving the old team without a leader in the wake of the Unity Squad we get a new team that's much less X-oriented and much more ragtag. We've got Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, Falcon Cap, Dr. Voodoo, who may or may not still be the Sorcerer Supreme? He's not. He's not. He's the Houngan Supreme. What does that mean? I don't know, but that's what it said. All right. Did he name himself that? Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably. You know, like, can you Self-appointed. Do, can you do that? <laughs> the Vision and X-Peeps, Rogue, and the newly inverted good guy Sabretooth round out the team. Rather than give readers a story of the new team having trouble gelling or even getting together in the first place, we jump right into the action on Counter-Earth. Counter-Earth, and I had to look this up because I couldn't remember, is a mirror image of Earth, but on the other side of the sun in its rotation. Depending on which version of Counter-Earth we're talking about, and dig this, there's four. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was either created by the High Evolutionary, Franklin Richards, or someone named only the goddess. That's the female version of Adam Warlock from the Infinity Crusade. Oh boy, I'm not even getting into that. This one seems to be the High Evolutionary's Counter-Earth, as it's inhabited with anthropomorphic new men. This is the traditional version of Counter-Earth. Yes. The, the original version of Counter-Earth. But Franklin has been talking about his Counter-Earth. But I don't think they've called I don't think they call Franklin's world Counter-Earth. So what is just another one? No, they do call it Counter-Earth. Even in the Wikipedia card. I, I, I think in Mark Miller's run on Fantastic Four, they refer to it 
as Counter Earth. Boy, but they don't. They got away. They this went away might from be that. our Ask a Nerd segment next week. Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch are on Counter Earth for reasons unknown, but definitely in search of their true lineage. After finding out that Magneto was not their daddy during the events of the Axis crossover, the rest of the team is hot on their heels, tracking them with the help of a very well-written Sabretooth. I like that Reminder's not writing him as like a Boy Scout. He's still kind of rough and tumble, but you know he's a good guy now. He feels bad about all the shit that he did. I think Reminder is doing the best job with this right now. Vision is also along, and Reminder chooses to write him as pretty tired of his ex-wife Wanda's. Shit. I think that I think they've kind of established that, and I think maybe Bendis touched on that. Has a he bit. ever been this big of a dick about it, though? Well, like, no. I, but for a long time, the Vision ha- was gone. Right, but I don't ever recall reading like a pissed off Vision. I I kind of liked it because it humanized him a little more, and I never understood why Wanda fell for like this completely inhuman, unfeeling robot in the eight in the eighties in Avengers West Coast. There was a storyline by John Byrne where the Vision was he was captured by the government disassembled and then they rebuilt him but whatever made him human like was lost like they left a screw on the table or something and they're like oh (laughs) right like when you're done with an ikea shelf (laughs) yes there's like oh well you got some washers here Uh, and um, he's moving around for some (laughs) reason like 10 allen wrenches the vision for a long time kind of lost his humanity okay Akuna's art is predictably stunning here and it's colored like a black light painting this is just bonkers to look at and I understand that he is an acquired taste. I love him. I love him as well. I think he's incredible. This title looks and feels almost exactly like the last Uncanny Avengers run. And other than the number on the cover and a few new team members, it may as well be the next issue of Uncanny Avengers. See, but it was so jarring. I disagree. I mean, I think tonally, maybe it's just the Counter-Earth thing and they'll get back to... Right. But... I thought it felt different, not in a bad way. Well, I'm getting I just, there. I'm getting there. Yeah. I should mention this title seems to be completely isolated from the Hickman Avengers. So while it's not a bad place to jump in, new readers are going to be wondering why the hell Sabretooth is a good guy and stuff like that. You're going to need to know some Axis stuff. The re- there is a this. recap page that I always skip, yeah. but the recap page does go into it. Right. But I agree with you. This is tonally a completely different book. It still looks the same. It's still written with that huge scope of story that Remender was going with in Uncanny Avengers, but this is a violent shift. I think I like it, and I want to hang with this oh, book. I liked it. I love the old, the old book so much. It, right. it was just slam, bang, Avengers, go. And I'm I, hoping I liked this it. stays there. I'm giving it a buy it, but I can't say that I didn't have some complex feelings about it. I agree, and there are things about it that I found troubling. I don't really f- understand why Captain America is there. Yeah. I, he just feels out of place in this book. Kind of. Like, is, and is he running the team? No. Well, I don't think so. Who is? It seemed like Rogue was calling the shots. Yeah, I couldn't really establish, like, who is the team leader now. Certain things are unclear. Certain things seem kind of shoehorned in. I thought that Remender's characterization of Quicksilver was so completely yeah. off base to the point that it was off-putting. He was like a chill bro. Quicksilver is not a chill bro. No. He has not, nor will he ever be a chill bro. He is wordy wordsmith dickhead, you know? Yeah, he's snooty and rude and 
borderline villainous. Yeah. But none of that stuff was really a deal breaker. No. I, I really liked the high concept science fiction feel of it. Yes. The art is amazing. I read online somebody compared it to Nexus. They said they, oh, yeah. they it was like a real Nexus vibe. I didn't think of that, but absolutely. And it wasn't an it wasn't an unenjoyable comic. No. It's just there it, are some things that are off about it. It definitely felt a little out of place with what's happening in all the rest of the Avengers books. And I don't mean it is supposed to be isolated. This is not Hickman's Avengers, but it felt different. Right. You know, <laughs> That's all if, I can say. If we're speaking, if we're going to discuss the merits of this book existing, I don't think it's necessary. Probably not. But if we're just talking about how I felt about reading it and my enjoyment level, I'm giving it a buy it. Okay. Because I really did like it. So that's a double buy it for Casanova Acidia. Someone correct us. And for I, Uncanny Avengers. You're really worried about it. We've done one. way worse. No, it's true. Like people's <laughs> names, we don't give a shit about. As always, we want to know what you maroon space criminals and ex-Unity Squad members thought of these comics. So after you're done looking for reasonably priced parking in LA, hit us up with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. With the news of the destruction of the Marvel U.S. fans know it, rumor has it that many of our favorite characters are nervous as well. As B-listers like Justice and Star Fox worry about their futures, the Brothers Grimm have taken matters into their own hands and liquidated their highly lucrative cage-free egg-and-farm-to-table pie business and will be spending $889 million on lobbying efforts to get them into the all-new Marvel Universe. So join Matt and I while we discuss the legality of this type of big money lobbying while we review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! King Flash Gordon, number one from Dynamite! Thrilling Adventure Hour writers Ben Acker and Ben Blacker take over where Jeff Parker left off on Flash and they don't miss a beat. Flash is lighthearted, funny, exciting, and as well-written as ever with the fantastic art of I Lee really liked the art. It I really like the art. And this was funny. Really, really funny. Not something that Jeff Parker did a whole lot of. It was still great, but not hilarious. This is the perfect place to jump into Flash's world, to jump into Flash Gordon's world for first-time readers. I have to wonder, why is it a miniseries? Buy it! Munchkin, number one, from Boombox. I've never played Munchkin, and other than the fact that it's a card game, I don't know anything about it. I kind of hate the way it looks. That said, I've had a ton of fun with this comic adaptation from Boom. The art is kind of hit and miss, as Matt said. The art style of Munchkin in general is very uh, childlike, yeah. simplistic. And to be fair, cartoony. they are sticking with that art that comes from the card game. They're like, don't in, look just in, like that. Yes, a, a little bit. I know that it's weird to say this, though, considering we're dealing with a visual medium, but the real draw is the script, which was really funny, and I didn't really care so much about the art. Fans of the game will find a lot to like here, and even if you aren't familiar with the world of Munchkin, there's a lot to like here. Okay. I'm giving it a buy it. All right. I didn't even mean to write that twice, but there I did. You go. King, the Phantom, number one, from Dynamite. Atomic Robo writer Brian Clevenger takes the reins, telling the story of the ghost that walks, along with artist Brent Schoonover. The pair gives us the story. Schoonover? I don't know. The pair gives us the story of the first black phantom, Lothar, longtime ally of Mandrake the Magician. The series definitely assumes you've been paying attention, but it isn't impenetrable. Clevenger's story and dialogue work well, and Schoon or Schoonover's art 
is solid, but I did feel, while I did feel a little lost, I was never bored. I don't know if they've touched on this Lothar character in the previous Phantom or not. Well, I think Lothar is a longtime cast member of the Phantom. Okay, that could be. I don't that, really like, know. That's really familiar. They that name is very familiar. They dropped you into it here, and there was like animal men and stuff with no explanation. I, I just didn't know what was going on. I'm giving you a skim it. Okay. The Dying and the Dead, number one from Image. And Jonathan Hickman has a tendency to write like everyone is totally aware of the infinite backstory that exists only in his head. And we thank him for it. This new series is no exception. There's a huge mythology here just waiting to unfold, and the whole... Indiana Jones with old people tagline barely scratches the surface. This was... That was the tagline? You should read the solicit. The solicit makes it sound like this is some sort of comedy. Okay. This was a wonderful first issue that hooked me in for the long haul, and the art by Ryan Bodenheim was really outstanding. Buy it. Find number one from Comics Tribe. Writer Sam Reed and artist Alex Cormick do a nice job setting up an interesting story about a boy with uninterested parents that meets a strange, intelligent being that changes his life. Although when we meet the main character, he's laying in a hospital bed as an old man recounting his life. Cormack has some very good panels here with some very impressive coloring effects. This is another cool new release from Comics Tribe. I'm looking forward to more. I'm giving this a buy it. Danger Club, number six from Image. It's been nearly two years since the last issue of Danger Club, and I literally have no idea what happened last time I, I read it. I forgot this existed. I'll take some responsibility for jumping right back in, but it can't be, it can't really be fair to expect readers to remember or even care about events occurring in a series that was already having schedule problems before it dropped completely off the radar. It's too bad because it was awesome. I love it. However, the conversation about late comics happened on a different podcast, and once I reacclimated a bit, I found myself really enjoying this issue. Issue 5 ended on such a cliffhanger that for this issue to pick up with no reference or recap of yeah. what happened before, it's got to be a skim it because yeah. it took me many pages to get... There's zero moment. Yeah, That's to, the problem. Exactly. Wow, really? Uh-huh. Creature Cox Special Varmint Unit, number one from IDW. I'm not sure who's steering these properties at IDW right now, but they're making some interesting choices. I'll say that. This takes place in the near future where genetic animal crossbreeding has taken the world by storm. It started with panda dogs in China. But now federal no. animal control has Pandas to... Pandas are vicious. <laughs> They're bears, yes. <laughs> but now federal animal control has to deal with gator snakes and bear bulls, which makes me wonder. I can see how selling panda dogs could be popular, but why the f*** would anyone make a bear bull? <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a somewhat clever premise without much plot and ends up as an excuse to draw a bunch of weird animals. The art was passable, but not great, and the dialogue was pretty bad. Giving this a leave it. They're not like us! Number two from Image. What if the X-Men were a bunch of douchebags? They are already. That just took what they wanted because society had it coming. They're not. Cyclops and X-Men are kind of douchebags. Great twist on a familiar premise from Nowhere Men writer and Image publisher Eric Stevenson. Gorgeous art from Simon Gain and Jordi Belair. I'm really loving this series so far. Huge buy it. Quantum and Woody must die. Number one from Valiant. James Asmus writes this laugh out loud miniseries where we learn the horrible secret of Vincent Van Gogh's pregnancy. Turns out Vincent's a girl. And their therapist's evil plan. This is a perfect jumping on point for any reader 
and the art by Steve Lieber, who is just having an art renaissance, is so good. This is another must-read Valiant title. I plan on catching up on the regular series this weekend. Loved it. Buy it. The Multiversity Guidebook, number one from DC. Grant Morrison goes off his meds for this 80-page, $8 mammoth installment of Multiversity that lays out the history of the DC multiverse. I don't think Grant Morrison's been on his meds for years. Or he's on meds, but not meds that <laughs> yeah. uh, keep him level. Self-medicating. <laughs> Everything counts, nothing is held back, and Morrison vomits the contents of his psyche into these pages like only he can. Great art by Marcus Toe, Paolo Sequera, and a host of other talent. It's expensive, and it's bizarre, but I loved every page. Look, there's no way I can recommend it to everyone. And this is where our rating system falls down. Because there's also no way I can give this issue anything else but a huge buy-in. All right. That's what I love about it. No, it's broken, and we're going to talk about it. Axel! That's the sound of Woody punching a French-Canadian mercenary into a puddle of toxic waste, as seen in the pages of this week's Quantum and Woody Must Die. They get all freaked out. They're like, oh, crap. That toxic waste, he's going to get superpowers. And the like ambulance shows up, and they're like, this guy's really sick. You punched him <laughs> into some really bad toxic waste. <laughs> like, Are you sure he doesn't have superpowers? Like, no, he's just going to sue you. <laughs> this week, in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, Joe and I had planned to project our astral selves to Dr. Strange's astral luxury box at the University of Phoenix Stadium for his spectral Super Bowl party. Before we were rudely interrupted by a panicked gentleman ghost. It seems he's not taking the Ghostbusters casting news well at all. And so, because we're caring friends, we've decided to stay here for the first half of the game and talk our dead buddy down by distracting him with some discussion of next week's comics. Gentleman ghost is just good. Really needy. Man. (laughs) Don't tell him we said it. I'll tell you what. Those spectral riblets that Doctor Strange makes? Oh, we're going to miss out on all of them. <laughs> Joe, what's your pick for next week? I prefer the pigs in a blanket of the Vashanti. <laughs> Those are delicious. Seven-layer dip of Agamotto. <laughs> <laughs> next week, I can't help it, y'all. My pick is Star Wars number two from Marvel Comics. I looked at the list. There are many great books. Yeah. But when I got to Star Wars, I was like, ooh, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I'm excited, too. Written by Jason Aaron with art by John Cassidy. Solicit. The greatest space adventure of all time continues. Bullet. Sorry, I got way up on the mic when that's I yelled right, that one. That's all right. The rebel. M- Someone's going to crash their car while listening to this. But the, that's okay. <laughs> the rebel assault on Psy Moon 1 continues. Bullet. Luke Skywalker cornered by Darth Vader. Bullet. Han, Leia, and the others trapped. <laughs> the others don't get any names. Nah. Who cares about those assholes? <laughs> Matt Bomb, what's your pick for next week? My pick is Cluster, number one from Boom, written by Ed Brisson, with art by Damien Cusiero? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Here's your solicit. In the distant future, as mankind discovers life on other planets, it needs soldiers to defend its colonies and outposts across the stars. In order to increase the number of boots on the ground, Criminals are offered the opportunity to serve in the place of incarceration. But as wars wage on and more soldiers are needed, small-time crimes are given long-term punishments. When a group of prisoners serving their time as soldiers become stranded and abandoned on a war-torn planet, they'll need to work together to survive and uncover the truth behind 
Earth's role in deep space. This sounds like awesome sci-fi. The art looks absolutely amazing. This is the team that was working on Sons of Anarchy. They're both very, very good. The cover for this alone sold me. It's just like a... Uh, James patch. Stoko of Orkstein did the cover. Yeah, and it's beautiful. This looks like it's going to be kick-ass. Super excited for this one. The THN Trade of the Week, because so, we've got to know... Because J. Michael Straczynski demands it. <laughs> is the Superman Earth 1 graphic novel, Volume 3 from DC, written by JMS with art by Adrian Saif and Sander Hope. Every time a new JMS book comes out, for some reason, part of me goes... Oh, he's still writing comics, you know, <laughs> like he just <laughs> disappears. <sighs> Solicit, who will save Superman? He may be invulnerable, but he's also alone. In his brief career as a costume hero, Clark Kent has run a gauntlet of the world's most deadly and monstrous villains. Typo in the solicit, yeah. editors. And it didn't get picked up as a spelling error. Is gauntlet a word? Maybe because I cut and pasted? No, mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Well, it flagged Luthor. Maybe gauntlet's a word. Maybe. But... His most dire threat may come from two powerless humans who happen to be the two smartest people on the planet. Lex and Alexandra Luthor have been paid to find a way to cancel Superman's powers. And the man who destroyed Krypton has been welcomed by the world's governments to complete his mission with the murder of Kal-El. Betrayed and at his most vulnerable, there's no place to hide and no one Superman can trust. According to the dictionary, gantlet, alternate spelling of gauntlet. Huh. Weird, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's old English or something. I don't know. Maybe. We had mixed feelings over the last volume of Superman Earth 1. No, we didn't. We didn't like it. We had mixed feelings over this <laughs> series in general. We're definitely going to be checking it out. Who are we kidding? Hopefully the third time's the charm. I'm morbidly curious about New artist. Yeah. This one's like Superman versus the government, which I kind of dig because this is... A new version of the character and I, the whole they don't trust him thing. Yeah. I'm into it. Psyop's really good. We liked his Green Lantern core. Lex and his sister, I believe, were introduced in the last volume at the end of the last volume. Yeah, I think so. I, I barely remember. I don't know. I don't know. It's a stretch to say we're excited about it. Yeah, here we are picking it, though. <laughs> After your spiritual Super Bowl party, let us know what you're excited to read next week. Over at the THN forums and... Spectral guests of the Super Bowl, please don't bogart the seven layer dip of Agamotto. This week, we have planned to bring you another episode of Casey's Crazy Corner. But after we received a cease and desist letter from the Ku Klux Klan's legal team, I didn't even put that together. We know? were forced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> we were forced to change the name of her segment. So it's my pleasure to welcome you to the new and improved. Casey explains it all, where Matt's wife has a few drinks and discusses a piece of comic history. It's the only way I can get her to read comics. With the new Secret Wars coming down the pipe, we gave the current Mrs. Bomb the job of explaining the original 1984 Secret Wars to those who may not have been around for the series. Take it away, Casey. Explains it this all. This is welcome <laughs> to Casey Explains It All. I am here to tell you about Secret Wars 1984. yelling at you <laughs> i'm drunk <laughs> okay this is the first half i'm gonna come back on again so you guys yes. have to buy me all the drinks so i can do this again okay so i'm here to tell you about it because apparently it's being rebooted correct well it's not being rebooted it's happening again so let's get into it so secret wars starts very abruptly 
so all of a sudden you just open the comic and there's about 20 ish good guys on a spaceship (laughs) and they're just like, whoa, how did I get here? And they're all like very confused. And so we have groups. We have the Avengers. We have the Fantastic Four. We have the X-Men. And then we have like poor lonely Spider-Man who apparently is none of the above. So they're all like, whoa, we're on the spaceship. One guy was like, I was naked and now I'm here. And apparently that guy was Hawkeye, who I feel after reading two and a half issues, completely still worthless. I don't know what he does. He has an arrow that blows things up. Cool. Use it. So they're all there and they're all freaking out because all of a sudden they were like pulled from their everyday um, lives and they're on this ship like floating in space. And um, hold on, I have to grab a pug. (laughs) They're on a spaceship and they're just like, oh, what's happening? Oh, look, there's another spaceship that looks just like us too. And they're like, oh my God, all of a sudden a galaxy disappears. So this entire galaxy disappears except for this one star. And this one star all of a sudden becomes like this new planet called Battlefield. Battle world. Battle world. <laughs> Close. Battlefield. So um, they end up like in the spaceship flying to battle world and they like they kind of like like each other, but they don't. So they're all kind of fighting and like whatever. Anyhow. Hold on. I have to put a pug down. They get there. They're OK. So they're all fighting. So anyway, that's like they're the, arguing. They're, not they're arguing. Yeah. So that's like heroes. All of a sudden. They're like, oh, look at this other ship that looks like us. Guess what, you guys? Spoiler alert, villains. Um, all the evil dudes are on there, like um, Dr. Doom. Yes. Um, Molecule Man. Yep. Who, exactly. first off, pussing out and is just like, I don't want these sweet powers anymore. I just want to be cool. I don't want to be in trouble anymore. I want to live like a normal life. I just want to be, is his name like, um, probably like a, a Neil or a Tom, right? <laughs> If I were to assign a name to him, it's probably Neil, but I feel like he has a real name. Close. Owen, Owen. Reese. And he is directly tied to the Beyonder. Okay, I'm not there yet. Spoiler. All right. So it has Molecule Man, Owen Reed. Reese. Reese. There you go. <laughs> uh, Doc Oct. Dr. Octopus is there. Yeah. Yes. Um, Galactica. Oh, Galactus. He's the big giant guy. Yes. Yeah, he's there. Um, and Ultron. Ultron's there. Yeah. Which, didn't I do a drunk history of Ultron? Yes, you did. I don't remember anything about him. <laughs> you were drunk. I uh, know. You were cry- You cried the first time. <laughs> no, I cried with someone else. It's <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, thing. Oh, there was a girl, Enchantress. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, evil. So they're also like, hey, what the hell? What are we doing flying towards here? This and the ship look, 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 looks like us. Blah, blah, blah. They all get on this battlefield, battle world, battle world, planet, land. They're kind of like 100 meters apart and stuff. So, okay, so they all crash land there, blah, blah, blah. They're like, what the freak is going on? So then all of a sudden, like a megaphone comes over and is like, hey, I'm the Beyonder and I'm taking you to Beyond. One, Beyonder, best wrestling name ever, WWE, Roman Reigns. <laughs> but he, Well, you haven't met him yet. I so. know. Uh, I don't even know what he yeah. looks like. Who You'll he see is. what he looks he like. He is then. like a fucking voice in the sky, yeah. we'll, like a godlike creature, but we'll meet him soon. Okay. So anyway, I don't know anything about him. He's just like a voice in the sky. And yes. he's like, guys, guess what? I'm bringing you to this planet to like hunger games it out. So fight to your death. And whoever wins 
gets whatever they desire. So, of course, all the bad guys are like, in, we're going to get what we desire. But Dr. Doom is like, hold up. Let's think about this. There's an ulterior motive going on. But I feel like we should still like work together and try to conquer this. But we should not have this idea of like winning a bunch of like publisher clearinghouse stuff in our future. <laughs> um, but let's talk it over. And they're just like, Dr. Doom, no. So they pretty much banish Dr. Doom. Oh, wait. But there's this whole thing before that backtrack where Galactus tries to like. No, not Galactus. Ultron. <laughs> I am very confused. Ultron tries to do some shit. Dr. Doom follows him. Beyonder's like, fuck you two. Blasts them out of the sky. Ultron gets like dead, but not dead. Spoiler. And Dr. Doom like ends up there too. And he's like, oh, there's this bigger power. But Galactus is like, I don't know, laying down on a mountain somewhere. Keep I in know. mind, we're three issues in. I know. We three issues in. 12. I know. This is a thing. So anyway... Ignore that fact. So let's wrap this up. I'm trying to. Okay, so they're Hunger Gamesing it. So all the like the good guys and the bad guys hear this, shit, and they're like, okay, we have to fight. So the good guys are like, who's going to be our leader? And they all decide Captain America, except for Wolverine because he hates all. Mudman, aka the Thing. <laughs> that is his name. <laughs> anyway, they all kind of like are not sure what to do. So Magneto, Magneto, Magneto. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. <laughs> oh, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Michael Fassbender, y'all, shows up all of a sudden out of nowhere to the good guy's side, and all the X Men that are there are like, "Hey, guess what, guys? He's cool. Don't worry about him." And all the Avengers are like, "Don't trust." And then Spider Man's like, webbing around." <laughs> <laughs> all right. So they're like, "We gotta like build a fortress. We can't like these bad guys attack because like Storm goes out and flies around and sees that there's bad guys like coming or something." Who? They modeled her after Grace Jones with the mohawk. Agree? Maybe. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. So, like, they all start fighting. Bad guys, good versus evil. Pretty much there is, like, an all-out thing. They start fighting. People are captured. Apparently, the Hulk can actually function and have a brain because he has Bruce Banner's brain now. Keep in mind, you are three issues deep. You have 12 issues. I get this. And You're this cannot have to be cut. a 45-minute segment. You're going to have to cut a lot. <laughs> so, they start fighting. And then, like, the good guys and the bad guys finally retreat. There's some captures on both sides. Magneto gets banned because the Captain America people don't trust him. And so he, like, goes rogue on himself. And then <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you guys don't trust? Goodbye. And leaves. And so he leaves. And then fucking Dr. Doom gets exiled by the bad guys because they're like, Doom, you're not playing fair. Doc Oct wants to like do all this stuff. Mr. Molecule's like, I just want to be a human. So like we have two. Molecule, man. Yeah, we have two rogues. So we have Dr. Doom and we have Magneto. And so they just like go rogue. I'm going to finish the bad guys right here. Point being, bad guys kind of get their asses kicked. And there's only a few of them that get to go back and they all come back to their lair. And um, Dr. Doom has like found... Ultron's body after like that whole thing that happened earlier that I don't really understand. You didn't talk about it at all. No, I didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> but something Ultron gets like defeated quotation marks. Um, so his body's there. So now Dr. Doom controls Ultron and he's like, all of you that are left come into my lair. And they're like, we don't want to support you. And he like brings out Ultron and they're like, all in. So now they're like <laughs> teaming up. So that is the end of the bad guy story. Let's go to the good guy story. So the good guys, Magneto like goes off on his own and then he decides, 
Oh, not a good guy. He's still a bad guy. Um, debatable. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> he comes back and he's like, I'm going to break in this fortress of solitude. Is that a He-Man reference? No, that's a Superman reference. Oh, close. Anyhow, so they're in there and they're like making their camp out and they're all kind of divided. Like the X-Men are on one wing. The Avengers are in another wing. Spider-Man's just webbing it. Magneto just is like, I'm all in. These guys aren't listening to me. I'm going to blow it up in their nuclear reactor system. He goes in, blows up the nuclear reactor system, but like the Fantastic Four and all these guys are like, hey, something's askew. So they all go in and like it backfires and Magneto's like, shit. He's like, this did not go as way as I planned. I think that's the exact quote. <laughs> I don't think that's English. <laughs> this, did, this did not go his way as I planned. <laughs> yeah, I think it's exactly what it's It was 1984. They might have talked like that. Yeah. <laughs> so... He's like all getting out because he's like retreat, retreat. And in that process, Wasp, who looks like she's 70, flies after him and shrinks. She's not. She's 70. 55? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's like, haha, Magneto, you can't catch me because I can shrink and fly through all your debris. And he's like, bitch, please. I am ending it. He's like, bitch, please. I'm going to put all this debris now around you and suffocate you into this magnetic ball. And she's like. <laughs> ball. So like he takes his ball enclosing the wasp and they go back to a new secret lair where everyone else is like, oh man, this sucks. Let's fix out what happened. Good guys, story end. So now we end on Magneto who takes off his Michael Fassbender helmet and now looks like Gandalf. <laughs> Who's Gandalf? Aunt Ian Ian McKellen? Yeah. Yeah. He looks like him with his white, beautiful, snow wavy hair. Okay. No, I'm not almost done. I'm almost done. And then he like decides like, oh, I'm really not a bad guy. So he's lounging in his beach chair, eating his food. And he lets wasp out of her like cocoon of metal that he entrapped her in. And she like grows three sizes in the comic book. And it looks like when Wonder Woman swims around and he goes, that's the noise I made in my head when I read it. <laughs> and then she comes out and she's like, I thought you were going to let me suffocate. And he's like, I want to work with you because I am really a good guy. And she's like, I'm going to blast this food off your tray and on your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, Sweetie. I have a molecule shell around me. I'm going to stop you. No, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Here's the thing. I'm almost done, but you can edit. He goes, I have, a, I have a shell around me, a force field. You can't kill me. So let's be friends and work together. And she's like, interested. And then I stopped reading because I had to go back to work. The end, part one, Secret Wars to be continued. The Secret Wars turned out to be a little more than Casey had planned on, but she promises that she's going to finish this. And when she does, we're going to post it directly on her YouTube channel, which is probably where most of these are going to end up. So stay tuned there for more. If there's a piece of comic history you'd like Casey to explain... Hit her up on the new sub-forum, appropriately named Casey Explains It All. There we go. Over at the THN forums. You'll love it. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that's it for the Super Bowl Spectacular Edition of THN. If you'd like to see dudes in tight pants manhandling each other on the gridiron as much as we do, you can subscribe to this show. That sounds really gay when you describe football like that. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, and your thumbs up, or your little hearts, because it helps us connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to all of our donors, and if you want to keep us in riblets and seven-layer bean dips... You didn't even know you were going to make that joke yeah, when you wrote that. It just, yeah. You can do so by clicking our bench warming PayPal button at twoeditnerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member 
It's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. I did the air quotes again for nobody. You did. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast that's never even made the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. Well, it just wasn't our year. Shoot us an email with the subject line, sponsorship. We're in a, we're in a rebuilding year. While you're there, you can find links to our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd question or trivia or defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed judge for our Defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic. Get printed, digital, painted in the end zone of your favorite team stadium, whatever. And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums. They're your little piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, your favorite Super Bowl prop bets, I'm betting on Katy Perry choking to death live, or just rap about comics. Like she's going to come out finishing a sandwich or something and be like, <laughs> And then just boom, drop dead, and the world's a better place. <laughs> Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. I would also go for a wardrobe malfunction. Just throwing that up. <laughs> and then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out all of our content. Like... Charlie Tron, Book Report, that guy can't Nerd TV, Saturday Morning Cartoons, Ludicrous Speed Reviews. There's old stuff on there that you haven't read. There's old shows on there. Uh, you can catch up listening, get offended. Something, 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 something. Oh, A Long Box Behind by Willie Toots. Nice. You can filter. There's a, there's a little thing on the sidebar of the website where you can click on the different types of articles. I didn't Just, even know that. Man, go nuts. Next week, it's time to play Ask a Nerd, where we delve deep into one nerd's burning comic question. So call us or post your question in the forums now. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Akira creator Katushiro Otomo, who was recently given the prestigious Grand Prix Award, which is kind of funny because they're calling it the Grand Prize Award, for his achievements in the industry at the Angoulême International Comics Festival in France. Angoulême. Word to you, Mr. Otomo. I remember the first time I saw Akira, it flipped my f***ing wig, man. I still love that movie. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might have a wardrobe malfunction in front of you for it. This is a two-headed nerd. Signing off. That's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs>